This is Out of the Box, where two TV producers and a medium discuss creativity, spirituality, and how the story we tell ourselves can stop us from reaching our full potential. The bigger the rebellion, the bigger we've been suppressed, the more we've been suppressed. But not everyone rebels in proportion to the suppression. Some are just too fearful. So fear comes into this again. Because they know in their rebellion that they will be excluded even further by the parents. I was thinking in our practice at 720 how we spend so much time discussing characters and roles and particularly when we're making a television series whether we're producing writing acting or directing the analysis that goes into character and the role the characters play in scripts and it's often goes beyond the script we analyze who they are what their purpose is what the drive in the story is what their transformation will be and then I thought when we coach people come in and they're often stuck on one script and they're playing different roles but often they're quite attached to those roles and we talk about putting a spotlight on who they really are so I thought it would be really interesting to talk about Ian's practice and your observation on roles and also why people are stuck or they're so attached to particular roles and how we can help people see who they really are and what's stopping us from writing a new script. People are trained to have roles. So fitting into a role as an actor is quite natural. It's fitting out of a role that's difficult. When someone's acting, there's a script and therefore there's a known outcome. Because there's a known outcome, there's nothing to be scared about. The problem begins for people on earth um, with parenting. Children aren't given choice. And that's the big thing here, choice. And that's what we're talking about more than anything. Parenting is not done on freedom of choice. Yet if we look at the spiritual world and we look at life through lives, through eternity, everything's predicated on eventually you learn. We can take two, three, four, five lives on earth to learn one issue. Yet our parents say we have to do exactly what they say immediately. Therefore, a child is taught to fit in with a parent. A good child is a child who does what the parent wants when the parent wants. A naughty child or a bad child is someone who does what they want when they want. And that's a child who's trying to create an identity. So the role that a child learns quickly to get kudos, to get feedback, to fit in, to be accepted from a parent and to be called a good child, especially to others, is to do what the parent wants. When a parent tells another adult that my child is a good child, the child recognises that feedback from another adult is therefore important. And all I have to do is smile and play the game. And I'm accepted. I'm a good person. I get what I want. What the parent's not realising is that they're teaching manipulation. They're, manipula- they're suppressing the child who's teaching them how to manipulate them to purport to do what they want, 
The ones who don't do that, who genuinely do everything the parent wants, are fearful. So they're the two categories, the ones who want to create an identity and the ones who are so very, very fearful that they'll do almost anything just to be accepted, just to be wanted. The child continues to grow and it's put into an education system. Um, They are then inculcated into a system of obeying the teacher. And, And there's much more rebellion in school and freedom than there ever was, but there's still a lot of structure And there's still a lot of what needs doing. And schools are based upon processes and structure. And there's just not that much scope for individuality within a school. So the child learns to fit into a system at school to avoid problems. We get to approximately 15 and we have our second rebellion. The bigger the rebellion, the bigger we've been, the more we've been suppressed. But not everyone rebels in proportion to the suppression, some are just too fearful. So fear comes into this again. Because they know in their rebellion that they will be excluded even further by the parents. So there's a massive confusion about their identity. What they do is err on the side of being who the parent wants them to be and who the school wants them to be and who anyone in Dash Authority wants them to be. That's where they end up going. So they don't have their proper... Rebellion, but let's rephrase that, um, second stage of finding their identity. And it's not encouraged. So nowhere in parenting is it encouraged because, again, I want to go back. Everything in parenting is fit in with me now. I want you to behave in this manner now. We get to adulthood or theoretically adulthood at 18, and it's more confused today because most 18-year-olds are still at school. Um And we're supposed to be able to make decisions and stand on our own two feet, but we're incapable. We just want to be what our parent wants us to be or what authority wants us to be. So we don't know where we fit. We're expected to then form adult relationships and we're expected to begin to learn and grow, but we're not equipped. And invariably we'll end up in relationships where we're craving for independence, we're craving for a whole lot of things, but we'll take on someone who's our parent, take on someone who'll tell us what to do. Mm. In the hope and in this vague belief, by osmosis, they'll recognize that we're more than we purport to be. And usually in around about the mid-30s, particularly women, men less so, um, they begin to realize that it's not working and then there's a massive rebellion against their partner, their husband or wife, but usually the husband. But it all relates back to childhood. They've never had their rebellion. Everything's been by hope. All through their childhood, they've they've wanted choice. All through their childhood, they've wanted recognition of who they are, but they've never been game to be that. It's an eternal hope, and it's an eternal failure. So they're playing a role, and they're dissatisfied. They're unfulfilled. People who are taught to play roles when they get into the workforce are easily the best employees and easily the least fulfilled. Because they're fearful, they'll do as they're told and they'll try and do more just to please you. But there's no satisfaction. And if they're not getting recognised or they come across a supervisor or, or, or an employer where the values don't suit them or where they're just not liked because not everyone likes everyone then they don't know what to do other than to work harder and try harder. And they just can't work it out. 
And this leads to breakdowns and all sorts of issues, all back to identity, all back to trapped. Because we're not taught that we have to search for an identity because it doesn't suit the timelines of, of a parent. So sooner or later, we have an opportunity or opportunities in life to find ourselves and therefore to discover an identity. But in short, children who are brought up by that, and we understand it to be well in excess of 90% of parents who for karmatic reasons are there to stop you achieving what you're meant to through no ill intent. They're trying to make it difficult. You have to find who you are and find your individuality without any ill will towards the parent, but recognise that they're different to you. Because ultimately they're repeating the pattern of their of parents, their parents yes. and of their parents before, so Correct. it's a cycle. It's a cycle of failure, mm. yes. And it's not done consciously or with malice, it's just done because that's the passed down knowledge, right? Usually done with expediency, mm. or for expediency, sometimes with love, mm. as they know it. Mm. But the more a child feels that they have to just fit in, the more they feel unloved. Mm. And that's an issue for them. And that becomes a problem. How do we change as an adult? How do we, Because we're not feeling good about ourselves. We don't have an identity. We have to please everyone else to fit in. We have to say what's popular with a group or a clique or a, at a particular point in time so as to be accepted. We're feeling nothing but poorly about ourselves how do we break that cycle as an adult as 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 a, as a child you can just by doing it not so easy as as an adult if you haven't done it as a child and the only way you'll do it is if you have the right <clears throat> pardon me levels of support available and there's support not so much support of a counselor even though that would definitely help but support of people who can love you so if you're getting love from somewhere then you can start to feel better about yourself. And if you start to feel better about yourself, well, then there's some hope of, of, um, of changing. But while ever you're in a world where you're feeling bad about yourself, you're in trouble. So where's the line with being truly loved? Because if you don't know if you're being loved for the role you're playing. Isn't it interesting, Carla, people can get to all sorts of ages and say, oh, this is my second or third big relationship, and I've just realised that I, I never actually was in love, but I thought I was. Not everyone in a life has a true love, or has, is truly loved. They have love from time to time, and they have degrees of love, and oftentimes that's enough to sate them, um, but not always, and usually not. That's the journey. That's what they've earned. But if they've earned a big love, then they'll have to fight for it and they'll have to change. That's the point. Yep. So so the love of others, I mean, I'm saying this and I feel a bit queasy saying it, um, is more about the love of self. And so, you know, does does the love of others even exist? Like, is it more about if you're in love with where you are at that moment in time then you are more confident to break the cycle, break the pattern, and then therefore be in harmony and be in step with someone else rather than be in love at that moment with someone else, place sure. your sure. happiness on them, sure. and therefore continue this cycle because maybe you're looking for 
affection or for acknowledgement or you know whatever it is and then that rebellion is on its way because mm. you realize that you were placing it on them and not focusing on self mm. it, it does love even exist then mm. wow that's a big yeah. question if it doesn't we have no purpose to be here on earth conversely you'll never be able to accept true love or a deep love until you can have that of yourself so both are right rather than right or wrong and the question in a different way that you put to me is if we love ourselves, can we get to where we want to or can it be enhanced by having the love of another if it's possible well spiritually that's why you have a relationship and that's why so many apart from the need to procreate um, um, that's why so many go into relationships because the idea of a relationship no matter what its difficulties it's meant to make the journey of the two better easier and able to achieve more as a duo um, individually than as 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 two solos <clears throat> what that the reason for that is that we as entities crave love and we crave to give love so love's a, well it's the elixir of life but the question still is, I'm not getting love, what do I do? People don't get love, and this comes to your point, people, Paul, people don't get love because they're not feeling loving in themselves and about themselves. On that, can any of us remember the lessons we got as children on how to love yourself? Mm-hmm. We were taught so much, even how to add up, but we weren't taught how to love ourselves or what that meant. And it's again, it's osmosis. Some magic thing happens where all of a sudden we love ourselves. Do we? Or are we just happy with something? So as we move forward from that, what we're saying is that until you have a proper level of self-acceptance, which can lead to self-love, because not that many people actually love themselves, because they don't know what that means other than it's a term, then we can't give love. And... The only recipe to getting love is to give it. And you have to give more than you get. Women know that. Men don't. Because generally, and this is very broad, women will give more than they get. Mm. And they know that that's the case. And that includes to their family. Is that is that a motherhood thing? That is, a, that is exactly. Love, whereas exactly. as men, yeah. Yeah, we're only is. designed to take. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're designed to give. Yeah. We're just more selfish. Yeah. And this is a, something that still hasn't changed enough in society. You know, there's still too much of the woman's not equal. And it doesn't, it'll never be changed by laws about pay and so forth. It'll never be changed about, by just derogatory comments. It'll be changed by understanding women and understanding men and understanding ourselves and what the differences are, accepting and recognizing those differences. Um, but... We men, we men have to learn to give love and we have to learn that that will cause pain. So there are a few things here. We have to have an understanding of self before we can give love. We have to have a feeling of love. We have to want to share that. We have to recognize what it makes us feel, which generally is very good and uplifted and light and excited and bubbly and so forth. And the more we share it, the more we'll be rejected. And then we just have to keep sharing until it finds its mark because love hurts the price of love is hurt 
but that's what we have to do. And that's what the world goes, that's how the world works, or it's meant to work, on that cycle of sharing love and getting hurt and keeping on going. And then if we're too hurt, and that includes in relationships or in work or anywhere else, we stop. That's why there's a big difference between what you're doing in teaching actors and what you're doing in life, because that predetermined outcome, and this is where it's odd, we have a predetermined life where things are meant to happen and therefore as a child you're frustrated with your parents, you're frustrated with your life because it's, you, you know internally it's not taking you to where it needs to and where you want to go. But how do you break free of that with all of those constraints? You see, it's very, very difficult and you have to find a way. If you don't do that as an adult, it's much harder and it's, there's a much bigger price to pay. I was I was just reflecting on the power of fear. Yes. And and if we're aware when we're being fearful, we're aware of it, but most people deny it because it's a pejorative term. Therefore, I'm not fearful, and we'll come up with a defence, male or female. Yeah. So therefore, your point's valid. Fear, fear is pervasive. It's everywhere, and it's from childhood. But you can't blame childhood. You know, once you're 18, you have to start to blame yourself. And every year after you've left your parents and, and their home and their rules, so to speak, it's your own fault. You can still be respectful. And if you love your parents, you can be loving, but you don't have to be fearful. But we have to admit and know when we're fearful and not feel maligned for that. So there are all of these conditionings that we have to overcome. And with fear, we have to know Firstly, what we're fearful of, and in some people's cases, that's almost everything, but the biggest one will be rejection. Therefore, they'll want to fit in. Therefore, they'll always be looking for third-party approval. I'm good because that person told me. We need to understand that courage is only a tool to overcome fear. And the more fearful we are, the more courageous we are, or we need to be. And non-fearful people or people with little fear need little courage because it's instinctive it's automatic it's learned over time and they don't have the need to fit in they don't have the fear of rejection they just be more of who they are of that actual identity where we get it wrong back to where we began again identity is not who we are in this life we come in with an identity we come in with a reason for being here we come into a family we come home with a pathway that's going to be laid out for us and we just have to follow it. Courage or fear can be what's coming next. I don't know. Will it be worse? Well, at some point it definitely will. So we have to have the courage. We have to say, this feels right. This just feels like it's the right thing to do. If once you get that inner feeling that I should do this and you don't, well, then you're more accountable for that mistake. Life doesn't give you opportunities once. It keeps representing them until we learn the lesson. And they get harder and they get harder and they get harder. That's the way it is. So it's like being belted on the head with a stick until we finally say, I'm sick of being belted head on the head with a stick. I'll avoid the stick. I'll go a different way. That's 
that's the problem. So that's, a, that's something that life's given us to help overcome fear, an opportunity to recognize that we are on the wrong path and the courage to do something about that. Like I've said before, fear is only the unknown is bad. So you have to ignore the little voice in your head and trust more the feeling that you have that you're to take that next step. Which, yes, but it's made harder because everything's so data-related today mm-hmm. because data will tell us all sorts of things. Very very few leaders will admit they do things on a, on a feeling, mm. but the great leaders do things on feelings mm. and mm. that's how they work. And well, and that means they're standing for something. That too. does. It does. Yeah. And I think that's one of the challenges that we face in leadership at the moment is oh, that yes. is the fear of standing out, which yes. is exactly what they need to be doing. I mean, it's almost like what I'm hearing is that the story and the narrative is consistent through generations and lifetimes. Yes. It's the plot that gets more complicated. Yes. And if you can drill through the plot and get to the story yeah. and, and shine a light on that. What's sad about life is, on, on, on what you've just said, Paul, is that a parent is to teach you what to do or what not to do. And in over 90% of cases, karma determines that you have to overcome the limitations, the suppressions of a parent. And because it's a self-repeated story, for hundreds if not thousands of years, families have failed because they haven't done that. So there's a sameness, a sameness, a sameness, and therefore a greater acceptance. Therefore, it's harder culturally to break free of it. But that's what's required to change until we can say, thanks very much, I admire you, my parents, but this is my journey, Mm. and I need to do it. Now, that's happening more and more with the young ones for all sorts of reasons, some of which are good and some of which aren't good. But it's definitely beginning to happen with a uh, less less responsible, perhaps more accountable young Mm. generation. Who are, who are less inclined to accept the, the wisdom of the age when it comes to things like war and oppression. So they're prepared to question. And do different. And is that what rebelling truly is? It's not necessarily giving in to peer group pressure. Like that's, that's just finding people who for a moment in time are like you and accept you. The problem with peer group pressure in a time of rebellion is that those who accept you today reject you tomorrow. And therefore your peer group is never with you. You're always having to find those who are with you. Because leadership um, of peer groups changes, what they do changes, everything changes. So there's as much rejection by, for example, young people from peer groups as there is from adults. And that's when they'll revert to going to their parents and they'll be hurt and offended by the behaviour of a so-called friend who's no longer a friend because they've just changed, that's all. They've changed at a different pace. That's the problem. People change at different paces. And that's the next thing about fear. As we confront fear and we sit about changing and therefore finding who we are, we're going to lose people. People will They're not going to be like us anymore. Therefore, they're going to fall out of our pathway, usually with acrimony. People don't always want that. They're fearful of that. They've had this friend for life. That might be a good thing. A friend for life's a good thing if they've happened to grow up the same pace as you. If they've not, one of you's holding the other one back. Mm. Yes. And they may catch up or they may never catch up. Or want to. But the gift yeah. that you've had in that time when you were in step yes. is something that you, know, you hold on to you hold on and to. then you look for the next one in step. Yeah. 
rather than hope that that person will be in step for mm. life. So uh, the price of change is the loss of, of relationships. Some people would call friends. You know, we, we query that um, spiritually. Um, my guide, Crazy Horse, says, in the duration of your life, you'll be lucky to have two to three good friends, real wow. friends, in the duration of your life. That would be lucky. Oh, see, now I feel normal. Yeah, <laughs> and you are. only two friends. <laughs> that's normal. Yeah. In my world, that's... There's three of us in this mm. room, so I'm too no, scared to ask you where you're Sorry to break it to you, but neither of you. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because you, you talk about Crazy Horse and um, I, I immediately think of the power of the circle and the campfire and, um, you know, being able to share stories, uh, share fears, uh, provide solutions for each other and be connected in a circle and in a way sitting around a campfire talking sharing um, stories creates the harmony and and immediately releases the tension and we we carry a lot of tension as society at the moment Mm. is that Um, something no i'm with all of that and i and i accept all of that but let's go back a bit it should boil at the end of what I have to say. It should boil down to um, choice and distractions. If we think about the Indian, the American Indian culture, and and even calling them American Indians is wrong. They were just Indians. They were there long before America. Mm. The Indian culture was of stories, and it was of the campfire, and it was of sitting around. But by and large, it was still a political structure, and there was a hierarchy. And whilst they did all that, um, they were mostly talking about survival of food and they were talking about their enemies, which would be another tribe. And the only problem they had from other tribes in reality was stealing some food off their so-called land. But there was plenty anyway. And that all changed in the time of Crazy Horse when he was anti the politics, he was anti everything that was institutionalised. And he lived totally by, this is what I do, this is what I can do, you can choose to listen to me or not. And he was regarded more than anything as being a great clairvoyant. So he was in touch with his great spirit, and that was his power. And that's what the Indians believed in, his great power to have that seeing knowledge. He sat around the campfire, and people came to him because of, how he was regarded and there was a constant flow of people to see him and they were there all of the time and as an aside that only wasn't when he took time out because he had time out every day to be with his children he was an incredibly devoted parent putting that aside these are the issues they were facing in those simple times they were facing extinction getting kicked off the land by white man being wiped out by superior force having to deal with people who are perennial liars, people who are trying to break down their culture and their spiritual beliefs, people who call them savages when they had thousands and thousands of years of spiritual culture and they were regarded as savage. And no, none of the Indians could understand that, but they were big things to grapple with. So therefore I'm saying that life wasn't more simple. We're not faced with that today. We're not faced currently with a threat of extinction. Now, we were in the Cold War, but as of today, we're not. So his method was always to listen to everyone who sat and hear their story. 
and then he would give his version of events at the end. And if it required a determination, he would give his determination, but he would never impose it. His method of operating was totally spiritual. You have a choice. This, I've listened to you all. This is what I've taken into account. This is the way forward. And if you choose to do it my way, you come with me. If you don't, that's okay. You go your way. But we, we're separate. Today, we don't have the equality of getting each other's opinion. We have rules thrust upon us. We don't, we're not allowed the choice so much to get it wrong. We're punished in different ways to stop us getting it wrong. So it's all into acquiescence, acquiesce to these plethora of rules. And then we come to life's more complex. That comes down to the individuals. It's true that the Indian only had to worry about going and killing buffalo while they still existed. And that was moral and um, raising horses or stealing horses. That was more or less enough for them to survive. And it's more complex today. But we're distracted. A lot of the things we do that keep us busy, we don't have to do. We choose to do. And we choose to do those at the cost of family. We choose to do those at the cost of love and at the cost of relationships because we identify ourselves differently. They identified themselves as Indians, as a subset of their great spirit. We identify ourselves as omnipotent people who want to be great at work or great as a car driver or great at some damn thing that's just not that important rather than great as people, as loving people, as committed And if we are committed to our work, how is that helping society? How is that helping people to become better people? And if it is, then pursue it. But remember to take it to your family. Remember to take it to your loved ones so they remain your loved ones, not your hurt ones. So the distractions are optional. So it's all choices. We choose to be distracted and to give less time, attention and emphasis to what's important. That's the difficulty. Got that? Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. So our choices are really key to our success, so to our life. happiness, to how much love we choose to receive and how much love we choose to give. Yeah, the choices we make are, are really the, the key to life. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you very much again. Thank you. Out of the Box is produced by Studio 720. Imagine your world differently.